Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining the Auxiliary Unplugged. No, you did not tune into the wrong channel. You accidentally got the right channel. Tonight, they've given, uh, well, they've asked a guest onto the show, and that guest is, well, a bit daft. But, yeah, here we are. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am Mad Ducks. I am hosting the show tonight because, well, I, I have the Nerf gun, and they are they're scared of me now. Uh, going down the list, we have Mr. Jay Witt. He is here, Mr. Jay Witt. Hello. Uh, we have the uh, one and only Maestro, wonderful, upstanding individual. Guten Tag. And then we have Haleon, a gentleman that I think is quite charming and a lot of fun to hang around. I appreciate that, but I can promise you my ex-wives do not agree. Um, I, I would like to do a quick qualifier uh, in that I was not originally expecting to be on this episode. And then I suddenly get like these frantic messages like, hey, we need you to get on this episode, and which is great. I, Ducks, we've been wanting to have you on for a while, and I am ecstatic to be able to join uh, and be on this one. It was the qualifier at the end that, hey, we need somebody who's uneducated on <laughs> and, and, and while the subject tonight is something I am wholly unqualified to, to offer any kind of anything on... <laughs> Um, I can't help but feel conflicted in that being happy to be included, but yet somehow also somewhat uh, offended. I apologize. I didn't mean uneducated in general. I meant for this topic. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It, it's perfectly fine. I'll just try to sit over here and, and not mash any of the wrong buttons. And uh, no, just hit them all. It's fine. It just hit them all. It will will take the sound of the the explosion that results, and we'll use it in post editing for like sound effects. It'll be great. Famous last words. What does this button do? In some states, it's hold my beer, but yes. <laughs> oh, that's where the drinking helmet comes in. I get it now. <laughs> hey, that is a life-changing um, invention. Not not for a good it's cause. It's not good. But not it good, changed. but it does change lives. <laughs> yes, not for the better. It, as, it, as in, it, like, it, depending on what you put in it, it might end it. Okay. So I'm going to try and pull us back. Uh, we're doing technology today. Are we doing specifically audio technology? There's no way that we're not going to start with audio technology, okay. at least. Because for a bit of a background, I am an electrical engineer. Mad Ducks is an audio engineer. Maestro is... I am just a sound technician. And Halion's profession isn't relevant to this, as I'm sorry to say. Yeah, when it comes to electronics, my expertise ranges from knowing where to plug them into the wall... That's important. Mostly able to turn them on and off. Also important. And and when the troubleshooting happens, being able to detect a heavy uh, odor of ozone, and mm -hmm. if something isn't lighting up or making noise, and that's about it. You're more qualified than more people than you realize. And you are more qualified than the, the one coworker Mad Nuts had. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> okay, we got to hear that story. Do you want to give that? No, okay. no, I do not. <laughs> okay. There are some things I'm willing to say on a recording, and that's not on that list. Uh, no. Just getting right to beer. I mean, I blew up a... Um, actually, this is one of the words that I don't know. Hang, hang, hang tight one second. I blew up a 19-inch uh, uh, cabinet once with a... Um, measuring device oh i blew up a stage man manager's station once it was broken and i wanted to see if i could identify the problem um so i started measuring things i accidentally bridged 
a 230 volt relay. There were sparks. There was a bang. I didn't die. The cabinet did, though. Then we get a new one. Well, see, that was a powerful diagnosis tool because yes. what you did was you made it obvious how it was broken by breaking it more obviously. <laughs> exactly. It was it was broken before. <laughs> right. But now you can point it and go, yep, that's broke. Yep. And you can go, yeah, you see that scorch mark there? Well, there's your problem. You need to buy a new one. You saved a lot of time, therefore offered value to the venue. This is exactly how I framed that uh, to my, you know, boss. Good. Most of the things that I break are, are intentional, mostly. Uh, I don't have enough, I don't play with enough power in order to break something unsafely. It's just like, hey, what happens if you, let, let's connect some, let's, if we start grounding around the circuit board, what happens? Ozone smells funny, turns out. It's really nice. I don't like the smell. Really? Oh, I do. Where I used to work, we had a Variac. And it's very hard to be bored in a lab with a Variac. <laughs> uh, a variable Variac is a variable AC, so you can twist it to change the power, I'm assuming, you going can, out you, of it. Yes, you take voltage in. It's a variable transformer. It's got a big, giant honking knob on the front, and it lets you generate less or more angry electricity based on how far you turn it. The more you turn it, the angrier it gets. The... Most practical use is when you're redoing a circuit with valves, uh, vacuum tubes, sorry. We're doing a circuit with vacuum tubes. If you want to warm them up gently so that they, you know, they can slowly burn in, you just start at like half voltage and then slowly create 120. Um, or if you're bored, you use it to make banks of LEDs explode. Um, you don't do capacitors? I've... Mm, Sometimes it's hard to clean okay. up all the dielectric stuff after the big ones explode. Yeah. My only question, the big honking knob on the end, mm -hmm. does it go up to 11? It goes well past 11. And the only thing that I regret with the Variac is that I can never get a googly eye to stick. <laughs> you, you take your soldering gun and you just sort of fold some plastic over it and then you get someone pissed. I would have had to take sandpaper to a piece of equipment that cost more than replacing me. So I didn't do that. Yeah. It's probably a good idea, yeah. Doesn't mean I didn't buy this, the uh, googly eye and try to make it stick anyway. I did try and make a coil gun, just like using a power supply. Didn't work. Only, like, flung a couple, like, inches or so. I mean, it's still... Still fun. Yeah. Yeah. Eight amps through a tiny little wire just falls off. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun until it melts. And then it's called <laughs> a Tesla coil. Um, okay. So how a uh how a coil gun works is hmm. Um without going into extreme specifics, if you take a bunch of wire and you coil it up and then you run electric current through it, you're going to create a magnetic field. Oh, okay, okay. You're it. talking like a like a um like a rail gun. Yeah. No. No, not, not, um, not the same concept, but it, instead of a rail of, of capacitors that go off, it's still you're using mm -hmm. it to accelerate using the the using it to accelerate something through it. Mm, you're using electricity to move things, which are very different. Like the the methods that a rail gun uses versus a coil gun are incredibly different. Yeah, but rail guns are still really cool. They are still really right? cool. Like, like, why can't we, why can't, where are our rail guns? Why can't we get that work? We have them. Um, turns out there are a couple reasons. One, 
when you're sh- pump, uh, pumping through kilowatts of energy through a bar, uh, when the material leaves the barrel, you create an electric discharge. And when you create an electric discharge, you break it a little bit. Just a little. Yes. So you just, if you keep using it, it keeps breaking over and over again until you eventually don't have a barrel. That's fine. Just just like the uh, MG30, yeah, just like the uh, MG42, you just you get that barrel, you just put a new one in. Easy. Which can work. Also, we, we have rail guns. Just to put that out there, we do have rail guns. Forgotten weapons, fire one. Yeah, well, there are also naval, there are naval versions that were developed, and uh, the public got to see some pictures, and then we didn't. And now I'm like, oh, the toys. Mm-hmm. I just want my backpack-mounted uh, Gauss rifle. Gauss rifles are coil guns. Yeah, so, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, okay. I, just, I, want a, I want a Gauss rifle with, like, a backpack, you know, power source that I can just, you know, smite my enemies with, or my neighbors, whatever. Infinite lithium-ion. Okay. Let's, let, I am getting, uh, I want to talk technical now, because this is a technical podcast. Technically um, speaking. Yes, Don't let me stop speaking. you. <laughs> so, I mentioned MEMS devices as I think that they could be a hot new microphone technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ducks, you disagree. I, have, I am here to disagree, yes. Okay, okay. Because for um, the Halions around... A MEMS device is a obscenely small piece of silicon that can vibrate in specific ways that can be measured electrically, uh, measuring the capacitance as it changes over time, as it vibrates. Correct. These things are basically 2D objects that are moving back and forth. Yes. Yeah. And I, th- that's re- it's neat, but we already have that. We have piezos. Look up a PZM microphone. They're, they're boundary mics. They can pick up large areas depending on the type, the size of the sheet that you fix them to. What a piezo is, it is crystals that are packed in. And piezos can do a variety of things. They can be used scale. So if you drive to a way station where a vehicle drives up on a scale, well, they, they don't have like springs or anything. They have piezo elements underneath. So the more you compress them, the more voltage, millivoltage they put out. And they go, oh, well, that's how much this weighs. And so they calibrate it and they go, if you have a thousand pounds on it, that puts out this many millivolts, 10,000 pounds on it, puts out this many millivolts. And then from there, they can, they can calibrate it so that when you drive up on there, they know how much it weighs. And it's sitting on top of those piezo pads. Piezos are a very interesting topic. You can use them for pickups and guitars. You can use them for weight measurements, basically. It looks like you can basically they're... just tape them on stuff, right? And then... Yes, actually, okay. that's close enough uh, because the <laughs> vibrations from whatever you tape it onto, be it a microphone element, etc., are that's what gives you a very, very small millivoltage. There are some limitations. Yes. Uh, they sound waves being a physical presence, the lower frequency sound waves, they're longer and higher frequency sound waves are shorter. So the crystalline elements do much better with the shorter sound waves because it's just, it, it's hitting making that vibration in those tiny little crystals quickly enough that it can generate the millivoltage. Uh, so piezos can, depending on how they're made, the exceptions exist to all of these things, uh, they can still pick up low frequencies, but not as clearly. That is where I'm seeing some of the, the reasonable like objections to these. Because, okay, crystals 
fucking suck and I don't like working with them. <laughs> they don't make sense to me. They never did and they never will. Um, but I do know that growing crystals isn't entirely a hard science. It's a good bit of like witchcraft wizardry. Witchcraftery? <laughs> Witchcraftery, yes. Um, so if you have a piezo material made out of crystals, I don't know how consistent you can get the size of those crystals. And I think you get a lot of variance that way. I don't know that you get that much variance. I mean, we've get we get pieces. We've got we have drivers, so you can actually use piezos by putting voltage in. You can get vibration out. I mean, so it works in both directions. We've had piezo elements. I've been working. So it's just a speaker, for, okay? Sort of. It's the same way that a microphone and a speaker work on the same principles, but a microphone takes vibrations in and give you a voltage signal out, and a speaker is just hooked up the other way around so that you give it voltage and it gives you vibration. Um, So Paizo works similar in the same way, but they've been making them for so many decades that they've got it down to, I would dare say, a science. So, but what you, the little mims, I think it's neat. Yep. But. Uh, I I will say something at the start of this. These are a hundredth of the size. Yes. Um, I think it would probably take like a bank of them to get any amount of clarity, but I just, to me, the, the challenges that a Paizo has that mims is going to have to the nth degree. Now we can overcome that. We've overcome that with piezos. We've gotten better at using them. I'm not saying that they are not going to be practical later, but I see that the limitations that those have are just going to be the exact same that piezos already have, just bigger. Yes, they're going to be having a lot of the same, but because you're going you're just sampling the the frequency and you're just sampling the electrical uh, the electrical uh, capacitance inside of those things, you are automatically um already doing a um a to d conversion because there is no a there is no analog inside of this thing you're just measuring the capacitance over time and then you have an immediate digital sound that you can just take in take out no questions asked right um my concern is more the frequency response what it can what it can hear like physically is capable of hearing that's what my concern is um that's what i i read about those when it was brought up yesterday um they are not good with frequency response again especially in the lower end um so they won't be as useful as say same size um electric condenser microphones like in gaming headsets the other thought that i did have that i've this is a, a side tangent and i i don't know if this is going to work or not but i'm curious a pre-linear distortion for any sort of system where you have a hundred percent consistency for example a mems device you have to break that down for me okay a pre-linear distortion okay so you guys were saying how it doesn't pick up like all these small micro uh, microphones don't pick up the low ends very well but it picks up the high ends very well um a pre-linear distortion is i guess it would be post-linear depending on where it goes in the the flow of things but you amplify the quiet parts and you quiet the loud parts compression so instead of the instead of the linear response being a curve you just make the inverse and you just smack it and smack them together and then you've got a line it does cause distortion as with any amplification but eh, might still be you can still use post-processing in order to fix sound up you know 
it occurs to me that these MEMS devices might actually be more useful for um, uh, words. Sorry, <laughs> for for um, measuring. Okay, tangent, um, or rather explanation. <laughs> um, you know how the Titan sub submersible had like um, measured the um, their their hull integrity. They measured it by sound. You know, yes. dumbly so speaking. So you can actually you can um, to make it a more polite conversation. Um, one of the measurements for a, when a machine is going to fail is you have is vibrations. Yes, that's probably what no. that, that, that that was what I was thinking. Yeah. That, that that's what okay. they could reasonably be used for, maybe. Well, that's also how I could tell my first car it worked at all because it's just good, 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 but still. Sorry. I. No, no, no. That's the thing. I, I do think at some point EVs, when people are like, I want a... Because I don't know if you know this about cars. Uh, the really new and really fancy ones, you don't hear the engine anymore yeah. because it's so quiet. Yeah. And then the users sat there and they went, well, okay, I want... I want where my engine's not loud. I want a big, loud engine. So they put little speakers into the... <laughs> like just by the firewall in the car and they went, there we go. Now it's making engine noises. I never understood that. <laughs> I, uh... I would just take the quiet ride, you know? Uh, yeah. Just... It's the haptic response of feeling the engine, feeling the transmission shift, feeling the engine roar, hearing it. It yeah. lets you feel like you're a part of it. Otherwise, it just feels like you're sitting still and moving your hands. And that is my next part. We're gonna get sweet butt wigglers in cars now. We actually, yeah, um, they make those for for uh, you know uh, racing seats in simpits. Uh, they are called oh. butt kickers. So they basically take a subwoofer channel to a transducer device and they vibrate your seat. They can just build that into cars, no problem, um, easy. Butt kickers are also used for drummers on stages, so that it's uh, basically uh. a subwoofer hooked up directly to their butt. Um, nice. So that you don't have to have a giant subwoofer next to them, so that they can like really feel that kick drum so that they go oh make my kick drum louder a butt kickers to you know make them like here's here's your here's your subwoofer leave us alone that's fucking i'm great. clipping so many of these things out for out of context just standalone bits of audio for no reason i was mentally prepared for that before i even came here i, I knew this was going to get weird so so many cars are so okay but uh, butt kickers are going to become more of a thing as cars get more and more quiet and subtle. You heard it here first. Invest in butt kickers. New for 2032, the Chevrolet butt kicker. I can just see it now. All these cars getting re re recalled because there's a defect <laughs> the in the butt, butt kickers. kickers. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. Turn down the Chry butt. <laughs> Turn down for butt. Uh, Chrysler wouldn't make it a year uh, before their butt kickers I killed somebody. Did Sir Mix-a-Lot record that one? No, I don't think turned down for what was uh, Sir Mix a lot. He did. Uh, I like big butt kickers, and I will not lie. Okay, so the other thing that I've that I don't know if this is an actual thing. I I'm just asking Mad Ducks if this is a thing. Um, do you know what chromatic distortion is for like network systems? Um, I avoid network related challenges as much as humanly okay. possible. I run Cat Six. I terminate okay. Cat Six. I make networks work, and then when it comes time to program them. I pay somebody. Okay. Because one of the reasons why um, optical communication is a finite element, like it doesn't go forever, is chromatic distortion. And it's the fact that when you're sending um, light through a wire or fiber optic cable, 
the red will get the red part of that will get there after the blue part. So light will literally separate when it's being sent through this. That explains why I cannot get optical HDMI cables longer than 328 feet. <laughs> why? Yeah. why? Uh, <laughs> uh, when... HDMI is a specific thing. Yes. <laughs> okay. Ha have you heard of our Lord and Savior HDSDI? Ah. Mm. <clears throat> so let us let me give you a scenario. You have a system, and you have to design a system uh, across different buildings or large buildings or a conference center, and you have uh, your equipment rack and your home runs everything is going through they've given you a closet next to a transformer and you are all of your rack is on 120 amp breaker then you have to hook something up 150 200 feet away away you need to give an, a video an audio signal to that room and it's on a different breaker and then you have to go to a totally different room and you have to go in the opposite direction and you have to hook up something that's on a third yeah. breaker yeah. and then you have yeah. to have say cameras coming in from outside and those are going to be on god only knows what power source yeah somebody got electrocuted gotcha if all you're using sdi you're using copper and i i love sdi sdi is great but the challenge there is that that cat will not stop the challenge there <laughs> is that you are connecting like you have a ground between all of mm -hmm. them if i use optical hdmi now there are rules using optical hdmi you you're using the optical cable there is no electrical connection between these two these systems yes. so you don't get the rolling bars you don't get the ground hum you don't have to worry about a surge in one area being transferred back to your other area um there are again there are rules and it does make it a little more complicated because you have to dump everything you can into that hdmi and then on the opposite side break it back out but the end result is that you have a system that is a little safer as far as power, mm -hmm. power surges. You uh, don't have ground hum between four or five different circuits all going through your amp rack, and the fire people don't yell. I actually had a similar problem in the theater. We, we uh, ran some uh, SDI from a camera in the auditorium to uh, the uh, stage manager's booth, and pr pr pretty much everywhere else we needed you know mon monitoring uh, video mon monitoring and it turns out um if you have uh, boosters for the hdmi sig signal in certain places or in different places really on different uh, mains um you can get some funny you know voltage uh occurrences on the uh, hdmi outlets and sometimes they were up to 60 volts and we were wondering why we sometimes get electrocuted when we, you know, plug and unplug certain cables in that system. So I'm going to ask the dumb question. Are there any cables that are just twisted pairs so that way you can just reduce the noise out of existence? I mean, yeah, XLR and uh, CAT, I guess. Um, HD base T is over CAT6. Um, and that does, there's uh, a few advantages of using HD base T. Uh, you get a good clean signal. Uh, it's, if you're going a long distance, it's better to use HD base T if you're not using optical HDMI. Uh, it, it's per job. Uh, I have an install that I just specced and I'm using HD base T and an extension cord to power a projector in a cafeteria area attached to like a mall area so that when they have their meetings over there uh i 
have a good high quality signal go into a 5500 lumen projector uh, like a little nice. laser projector at an 186 inch mm. screen so it's not as big as it sounds because it's a cafeteria but it's it's what they paid for so um i'm using it's hd base t but i have to run twisted pairs huh? <laughs> Is four twisted pairs into just a single wire uh well no it's it's hd base t in this case you have a 12 volt uh so that you have poe so the transmitter powers the receiver and then you have an hdmi cable that you break out of the uh the receiver and oh so they just glued in okay well uh so it it basically converts it sends it converts it back uh you also have audio okay. return channel one of the pairs is used for audio return channel so you can send a uh, signal back you can have infrared control you can have hdmi uh hdmi control so that you know if you point a uh, volume uh, a remote at say the TV, your tv you turn the volume up and down it, the receiver goes up and down and it's just magic hooray you have um all these different controls you have so it's bi-directional hd based t will let you do that uh, but i am going to just suck it up and run an extension cord over there and not tell anybody that we did that so i don't have to worry about electrical grounding or power surges in the next few years which is going to suck bad but we will do it as a, an, a layman in this field throwing power uh extension cords everywhere does feel shit that feels bad it's so there are different it, it it's case by case uh it depends uh local codes what type of extension cords what gauge what type of jacket you're allowed to use uh how you're okay. how you're going to run it when you run it you cannot run it right next to your cat six cable because inductance is a thing and inductance is not your friend <laughs> so oops right <laughs> So you just plug in a, a computer and you're like, all right, time to check the Ethernet. Yeah, so you, <laughs> you can't just run them side by side. Volts. You can't run them together. So this this mildly ridiculous run that we have to do, we have to do it twice. And that way we can make sure that we lay them at least six inches apart. Electricity is a harsh mistress. Yeah, if, if, you, if, if you ever look backstage at a theater or a music production, um, we, we try to do that, you know, separate um, <laughs> audio and power cables from the lighting staff because dimming plus power cables plus audio cables equals but it doesn't always happen because it's not always possible and then you just gotta deal with it i am a big fan of led lighting uh in commercial applications because they pull so much less current and and they are um they are not you know supplied by a dimmer they are just you know they are internally uh it does it all. So, controlled. Um, yep. Does it all itself. So you don't have your your fucking your um what is actually what is the English term for if you if you cut off part of a face um of a of the power um screwed thing. Yeah. <laughs> there are different types of dimmers basically, you know. There's the old salt and piss vinegar uh dimmer, right? Where you just have a bucket. With just two, with just the power lines and being like, there we go. We move it closer and further away to dim lights. In this case, I'm pretty sure that's not what Maestro's talking about. But um, yeah, so if you lose, hey, that was a thing. I swear to you, that was a yeah, thing. But if you lose one part of your phase, like so, basically, what happens is if you have one challenge with your dimmer rack at any point, you're screwed. Um, yeah, because American uh, power systems for home. I, I imagine a home's not considered industrial. Not even. Not uh, at all. Yeah, we have two phases, but every single power out, every single power outlet is one phase. 
So if you lose a phase, you lose those outlets. You lost power. You lose half of the yeah. outlets in your house. Yeah. Yes. Roughly. Interesting. In some countries, they use a, a ring wiring method where instead of running just a wire from a breaker to your outlets and then branching out from there, they carefully figure it out where it goes in one side, like it starts a loop, it goes to this outlet, this outlet, to this outlet, this outlet, and then it goes back to the breaker. That way, if you lose one end of the connection somewhere along the line, the other outlets still work. And I think that that is scary and kind of cool. I we definitely don't do don't... that. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like it either, but you got to admit, it is kind of cool. Sounds sort of utilitarian yeah. and also kind of scary because if it goes wrong, it might go wrong bigger. But that's just because yeah. we're used to it not being like that. So, Well, more importantly, if it goes wrong, you don't fix it. Because you don't know it went wrong. Yes. Correct. Well, aside from the fact that you just shocked yourself with 120 and then you, and then you patch it up and you go, hey, look, the lights are working. So you don't question it. Yeah. A different standard. And then you just have floating lines in the walls, and you're just hoping for the best. It all sounds like wizardry to me. It is. It is wizardry. So what, here's how this it works. It's really dogmatic. It, it all starts with, with chanting and magnets. So what happens is we make the magnets very, very angry. Then we make them very, very angry and spinning. Then the angry yeah, spinning magnets they... give us voltage in the sea electricity. Well, they, they, they spit it out from vomiting, and then, then you get alternating voltage. we get alternating vo voltage vomit but the trick is to make it uh to make the uh magnets spit out and throw up a uh, voltage at us at the correct frequency there's the tricky bit power companies care so much about that frequency too because oh, yeah. if it fucks up they break everything they break everything for miles yeah so the, the trick is to make it make it throw up at, at right at the right rate Found the term I was missing, by the way. It's called face cutting or face angle control, a form of dimming. Okay, yeah. Well, wait, wait, wait. When you say phase angle, are you talking about you're like going off phase of the? That doesn't. Oh no, 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 not not phase as in phase. Oh no, phase as okay, in not... this the one line the yeah. Oh okay. Is that phase to stunning? It is pretty stunning if it works. And if it doesn't work, it's still pretty stunning. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, hooray for LED. Yeah, that's yes. it's a long it's way right. around on that one. LED yeah. LED pro light fixtures are great. They pull a lot less current. You control them with DMX, which, mm. admittedly, is can be fickle. Um, roughly half oh, in terms of current going through. Um, I can tell you that with confidence. Um, we replaced the lighting system at one venue that gets used several times a week. They spent $30,000 gutting and rebuilding the lighting system, which sounds like a lot. But one of the people from the accounting office, this lady called us a year and two months later to tell us that they had saved so much on their electric bill it had paid itself off. And they would like mm. to upgrade Ooh. more areas. Yep, yep. That's amazing repeat business. I mean, just look at it this, this way. A typical theater lighting fixture. Um, clocks in around two kilowatts. That's 2,000 watts. The same lighting fixture in LED pulls around 120. 120 watts? Watts. For the same amount of lumens? The same light going out? Ish. And you have way easier control because you're not using your salt water dimmers, which <laughs> yeah. are a thing. And I posted a link to yeah, some weirdo video. talking about it. He's a great weirdo. The only problem with LED lighting fixtures is um, 
And and I'm an audio guy, you know. I, I run the audio in our theater and my colleague runs the light. And every time he gets new lamps, and every time we have a show, you if if you if you look at him, he's always scratching his head and being angry about DMX and how it's not working. And how the lamp doesn't do what it's told. And mm-hmm. how he cannot get his uh, his lighting board to speak to the lamp in a way that makes sense to the lamp to do what he wants it to do. It's quite funny, uh, but mostly he fixes it. Well, yeah, DMX uh, DMX involves you being more not being angrier, but being more stubborn, because yep. you go, okay, this is so on channel one. This is going to be your red. This is going to be two will be your green. Three will be your blue. Four will be your white. Five will be your ultraviolet. And then six will be, say, your intensity. And that's just three, that's just three colors of, three colors, two whites, and intensity. There are some that are 40, 50 channels. But let's just say that those few channels there, uh, so RGBAU with, with intensity, that's six channels. And then you, if you want to say flicker, et cetera, that would be seven or eight channels by the time it's done. So let's say you have these six channels. Well, you have to tell your fixture you have 512 DMX channels. Tell your fixture, this is channel one. So channel zero will be channel one for that fixture. Then channel, you know, then you go zero, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six becomes channel one for the second fixture and so on and so forth. And it is for- Oh, it's a good old matrix. Yeah. yeah. Just an easy matrix. Sort of. And kind so of. that is, it is for this reason, <laughs> it is for this reason that DMX involves uh, everybody that sets up DMX for a living is a little bit crazy. Don't mm-hmm. ask me how I know. So, question. Okay. Why the hell would you want UV for your lights? Oh, um, Are you... Well, well be- because it makes, it makes white things on a black stage light up. It's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Ma- Maestro, let him have it. <laughs> uh, wh- why? What, you, what, UV light? What do you mean? Like black light or... Yeah, well... Uh, yeah. So you're black lighting and then just hoping that the material is correct? No, no, no. You, you have costumes that are especially made to, you know, um, fluoresce in uh, UV light. And you use it for certain scenes and in, 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 uh, during, uh, you know, for, for um, modern dance, for example, there's always a scene with UV lights and fluorescent uh, huh. costumes. So, Because uh, it looks cool. Someone's you know? bringing out the uranium plates and showing how they're green. Also yeah, that... just, just sprinkle some radium dust from the ceiling, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, but... <laughs> The best snow. Common fixture is going to have uh, RGB, A, uh, it's going to have RGB, W, A, and U. So red, green, blue, white, the white is usually going to be about 5,000. Yeah, about 5,000. So that's going to be a very, very bright, bright, clean white. And then you have the amber Mm -hmm. light that is going to be a warmer, more candle light and then you're going to have the U, which is the ultraviolet. So what you're going to do is, if you just turn the white up, it appears the white blue on. look. So the trick then, if you want it to look natural, is you can turn the white up and then fill the amber in until it looks a little, a little more pleasing and not so piercing on the eyes. And then you can leave okay. that, and you can make that your standard, say, your lighting scene. But then if you want to do a warmer, so make it look like a sunset. You just bring the cold down and bring the amber up, and then your whole scene, your whole stage looks warmer. It looks like a sunrise or a sunset. And then the ultraviolet, when you turn that up, you're not trying to make like all the dust and dirt on the stage glow, all you do. But if somebody is, if say it's a nighttime scene, when somebody comes out and they're wearing like say a white shirt or a robe or whatever, 
then even if you just turn that ultraviolet on oh so slightly, then you will make that person, the people wearing white on that stage, stand out for reasons that the okay. audience doesn't actually understand. They don't even know that that's happening. It's just this person walking okay. out in robes is like easier to see than it's everything Jesus else. Shining, basically, or okay, more deep, whatever. Okay, um, that makes sense. Do the actors get tan? No, no. Okay, not it's not that level of UV. Okay, I mean we could probably do that, but that would <laughs> probably get us yelled at a bit. Also, skin okay. cancer, probably. That hints the yelling. I would, I would rather just keep uh, pouring potpourri into the uh, the fog machines, and just get yelled at for that. Why does everything smell like strawberries? I don't know. Mmm. What? Mmm. So every camera, every light that gets attached to DMX then has to get extra. That, the entire system needs to get reworked. Well, okay. um, uh, so in your lighting board, um, you you basically. You start with your lamps. You tell the lamp, yes. this is your starting ad address. And then you tell the lamp how many channels it should expect to get. And then you get to your lighting board and you basically tell the lighting board, this channel is the starting address for lamp A with six channels. This channel is the starting address for lamp B with six channels and so on and so forth. And then you have all your lights on your board. And then you can basically select the lamp or sec select a. Uh, more multiple lamps and then if you've mapped Control it correctly okay. you know you can you can rotate a dial to increase the red channel on all the selected okay. lamps and so on and so forth simply said how it works with uh you know led lamps today hopefully yeah, yeah. or if you're setting up a stage at a concert and you are underpaid, you're in a hurry, the band is late, nobody nobody has the correct cabling like they said they did, and you need to make this work very fast, you can make half of the light fixtures, you can make 20, 30, many fixtures you want, the same address, and make the other half mm -hmm. of the fi fixtures the other address. Just alternate them so you only have to worry about two mm -hmm. channels because nobody gave you time to program it, there is not a sound check, you don't have enough time to make everything work, work stuff stuck taped together, leave me alone and pay me. There is no sound check. Story of my life. I call it the flying sound check. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> oh, no. yes. So, fuck it. We'll do it live. Yes, actually, that's basically it. I, I've, I now call. I tell the bands like, yeah, yeah, we'll do a flying sound check. Uh, before I let them start, I'm like, you check your mic. You check your mic. You check your mic. And if, if somebody's holding a guitar, you check your mic. They always like check their mic and then play the guitar. And I'm like, stop. Check the mic. You check the mic. You check the mic. All right, now you keys. Thank you very much. And you guitar. You guitar. I just make sure that they work. I have a signal that I can work with that's not distorting and not super duper low. Can you hear yourself in your monitor? Good. And then I walk out in the audience like, good. I'll do it live. And then I just guess. And if I guess well enough, I get paid to do it again. Pretty much. <laughs> so we got off track topic. We were never on topic. We we went off but... topic when you said something about chromatic. Distortion. Chromatic distortion. That's, yes, that's, and I was. Yeah. I'm. I'm going to pull us back to that because I actually had a question about audio for that. Yeah. So, as a quick reminder for myself and everybody else, when light goes through uh, a medium, the higher frequencies go faster and the lower frequencies go slower. Is that true also for audio? Like, in theory, is a microphone going to pick up the higher frequencies first and then the lower frequencies later? No. 
because sound okay. travels at a fixed rate in uh, atmosphere at, say, 101.3 uh, kilopascals. So sound's going to travel at a fairly fixed rate. There are a couple of things to consider, okay. like... Uh, like a 40 hertz sound wave, that sound wave is 28 feet long. And like a 1,000 hertz sound wave is just like 30 some odd centimeters. It's much, much smaller, shorter sound wave. It, the sound mm -hmm. is still traveling at the same rate. Uh, so let's say that we're setting up a venue and I have to, I've been given blueprints and I have to design a system for this yep. building. If I can do a line array from one single hang, all of the sound waves originate from the exact same point which means that there's no problem with delays. Where, and if you think about it, I guarantee you, you have been at some point where you hear the sound, the sound, the sound you hear the sound more than once, where you're mm -hmm. in the audience and then you hear the sound from the stage and then there's a rear fill speaker somewhere, somewhere along the way, and then you hear, so you hear that speaker in front of you and then faintly you hear the speaker all the way in the distance. That means it's just because it bounced on the backside and then went. Well, forward. what happens in that case is they have not used a delay circuit, and the end result is that you have the sound wave from one speaker hitting you, and then the sound wave from the speaker that's further away hitting you. And since sound travels at a fixed rate, we can always and I always forget the formula. I have to I have a pocket reference guide. I have to look it up every single time. I've just bookmarked it. And uh, you think I'd remember after using the same same uh, same formula for twenty years, but no, I don't. Sound hasn't changed. Sound okay. hasn't changed. I have, I keep forgetting the the formula, but whatever. What what formula are you looking for? Uh, the rate at which sound travels. I measure it out, pop that in there, and then I tell, and then I can say how many oh. milliseconds of delay. Like m most recent. Oh right, right, yeah. I use an app for that like, too. Yeah, most. You do a T three liner long. Um, I'm going to ask, uh, Ducks, your audio is acting up. Do you mind just exiting and rejoining? I don't know if, Maestro, you were hearing that as well. A bit roboty at times, yeah. But it catches up. Ah. I am here for the first time since the last time. Wonderful. Win the butter. That was all of my technical things aside for audio-based stuff. I could literally talk about electronics forever, though. But that's a whole, 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 whole separate thing. I um, I have a workbench that I know you love because it has carpet. It has carpet on it. <laughs> you are soldering on carpet. I, the <laughs> board is. On, I'm not soldering on the carpet. I will put. I have a. What is ESD? Yes, I too what like to live knows? dangerously. I am not soldering on the carpet. I have a mat that I put down on it. Or if I'm... You put cardboard on oh, top. Yeah, I'll put cardboard say, on it. I ground the electrically sound cardboard. No, I have a. I have like one of those cutting mats. I put that up there. Or if I'm soldering and I've got like a, an amplifier pan, I put the pan up there. I flip the, amp flip the circuit board over and I solder on that. I'm never within even six inches of the... Or two or three layers of the carpet. It's just when I bought it, it had the carpet on it, and it's been glued down, so I can't pull it up. So I have a nice carpeted uh, workbench. You have to. That has to get dirty. Do you vacuum your your workbench? Do you not? Uh, no, we get brushes because we don't have carpet. I I don't like. I no further questions. It sounds like uh, Wit, you're dealing with like poverty workbenches, whereas Ducks is dealing with the, you know the Cadillac. <laughs> Mm, yes. Yes, yes, I, I'm bench. taking my workbench in to be detailed. <laughs> <laughs>
Next, you gotta soap it and you gotta condition your. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it, yes. Oh, yes. Rug yeah. cleaning. Can you clean my workbench? No, don't worry. I'll bring it to you. I'll put it on the trailer and drive well, it to your locale. Uh, have it detailed, yeah. and while you're there, have it rotated and balanced. One of the wheels is a little squeaky. And once a week, he has his workbench boy come in. You know, just kind of like come top it off, make sure it's clean, come tidy, Re apply some paint. Oh uh, yes. Uh, open the drawers, grease the slides. Yes, yes. Mm, quite. Now I want a Gilded Age, you know, Victorian style workbench. <laughs> oh, that that would turn so quickly into a steampunk workbench. Mm. I mean, I feel like mm. that's, that, that's implied. The yeah, I will. I will not. I will never pass up a chance if I think about it to poke you about uh, the fact that you hate my workbench has carpet, and I'm like, it's got carpet, okay? It cost me a hundred bucks. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's a come on, like. There has to be literally anything else you could do. Uh, I got it was a guitar rework bench, so the carpet is to prevent scratching instruments. You know what oh. you could do though, you could you could get some epoxy resin, and you could basically you know um, pour it over the carpet on the workbench and have a you know nice flat surface <laughs> with some cool textures underneath. I will have to admit that I am now tempted to get out to go rent a carpet shampooer for my workbench. <laughs> Make it nice and pretty, point a fan at it, let it dry out, and then frame up the sides and just pour epoxy in. Um, yeah. And be like, yes, it's a carpeted rack, well, carpeted workbench. Well, why is it covered in epoxy? Because it's cool. I mean, yeah. who's going to oh, argue oh, oh, oh. with my logic? Dude, put some, <laughs> put, put some tiny, small LED lights like randomly in there to make it look like i don't, I don't know st oh. a starry carpet yes i could pry up the carpet in spots and run a little uh a little microphone wire underneath it and break it out and just apply like voltage to it like and solder in some leds aside from a yeah. lot of things <laughs> what could go wrong what could go wrong about the uh the electricity touching the carpet at this point you've just created an episode of pimp my workbench okay mm. crap now i gotta do it <laughs> What's what's real bad is I I cannot afford to go get another workbench. So do you know what my uh my three D printer is on? Printing <laughs> nice a workbench? No, my my three D printer is standing on is sitting on top of two subwoofers that I have with bad amp cans amp pans that I need to repair the amp. Question: Is it an FDM or a resin printer? Resin. Uh, uh, fuck it, that works. Yeah, it works fine. Uh, the it it's not gonna make those those big uh turbo Salmon 18s move um at all. I wonder if you, if those, uh, if those speakers, if they just were playing while the 3D printer was going, if you can get like the worst uh, print ever, as it just gets wiggled the entire way through. No, no, the, it it shouldn't do anything because there's no moving like. Oh no, it's all uh, relative movement. Okay. Yeah, the build plate just goes down. UV light shines from below, hardens the resin against the build plate. Build plate goes up then back down and it, it prints that it does the next layer actually if the curing time is too long the layer might shift during curing and that might be bad but eh but also if you you know you could use those subwoofers to basically um stir your resin <clears throat> tank so you don't have to have to you know, mix <laughs> it if it's if it's if it was in there for a uh, for so take a, a frequency time. generator and just yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay now i can 3d print basically um, yeah everyone in the 300 foot radius hates you <laughs> that's their problem <laughs> well no i like my neighbors i live in i'm i'm actually uh very fortunate and uh, downright blessed to live in a nice quiet neighborhood by and large i i like it um yeah it's just i the place i live is like a maze 
Uh, I, I looked on Google Maps when I moved here, and there's like 14 ways in and out of my neighborhood. And depending on where you're going, all of them are wrong. Oh, no. Um, it's, I, and I love it. It's quirky as heck. Reminds me of Denmark, actually. We're going to get some angry letters from some Danes. No, they, 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 they know, know what they got. <laughs> they know what they did. <laughs> it's like A and a sir. They know what they did. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Ducks. I, I like my neighborhood, too. It's You can't even it's see rural. your neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it, it's rural, and, and, you know, there's some colorful characters that live here, but everybody is, is friendly, although I do get some side-eye when I'm uh, flying the meth weasel flag out front. <laughs> but, but nobody's complained yet. <laughs> uh, I can appreciate flying that flag, though. That's hilarious. Uh, before we moved here, we lived, we had a bayou in our backyard. And, uh, I mean, it, this is the first place I think I've lived in a very long time where I'm not on the food chain. And I know that sounds weird to some people, but some people are going to hear this and go, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I'm used to, you know, there's bears and, and hogs and what have you. And that's just, I mean, to be honest, I like it. It's, it's not quiet because, you know, you hear all the wildlife going on around you, but you got to buy you in the backyard. And yes, you have to chase the gators back in the bayou from time to time, get a good steak, give them a little... Give them a whack, they'll, they'll go on. Um, so wait, hang on. Are you telling me that gators aren't above you on the food chain? They are, but I have a stick. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This, this, the, the venerable stick does, you know, kind of even out the whole food chain hierarchy. Yeah, I have stick. Like, you can, you can do many, many things, but at the end of the day, you can always count on stick. What is a sword but a sharp, pointy stick? What is a spear but a stick with a pointy bit on the end? It's a stick. Get stick. What is a gun but a stick in, with a, that shoots with a, a... It's a small stick that shoots even smaller sticks in 45 ACP. Right. Stick. I wouldn't call a gun a stick, but it's a stick shooter. We'll go with that. Although a spear gun is a thing, too, so I guess that is a stick shooter. This has been interesting. Gatling crossbow. Gatling crossbow sounds... Can we do that pneumatic? Oh, no, 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 I'm having a bad idea. Hey, why is it that every time I say, hey, I have an idea, everyone goes, oh, no? Well, let's just point to your YouTube channel. Okay, let's not point to my YouTube channel, because that is a silly place. Um, but no, every, I'll go, I, hey, I have an idea, and I get a chorus of, oh, no. I'm like, wait, 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 no, no, this is a very normal idea, not like the other ideas that were normal in their own way. It's all very, very normal. Yes, it... it, it... You have to understand that every time you say that, you get the response that you do. When your immediate response is, wait, 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 forget all the other times, hear me out. Right, but this, uh, like, and when I'm saying this idea, this idea at that time is quite normal. Like the time I decided, let's just say I want like a generator and a roasting oven. I'll put them in the back of my truck. And then when I have to go on a long drive, when I get there, I have a bucket, like a roaster full of dressing. There is no get there and then get lunch. Like, guys, I brought lunch. Dig in. It cooked on the way. This is a good idea. Very. This is not a weird idea if you think about it. Sounds good to me. See, like out on the job. I can't argue with that logic. Yeah, and I, I've been thinking about. It. I have an electric smoker. Why don't I put the smoker in the back of the truck? So, you're just creating a motorhome. No. Yes. No. <laughs> More like a food truck. A food truck. Yes. <laughs> a food Maestro. truck. Yes. Thank you, Maestro. I'm using that one. <laughs> it's real life Murbaugh's. Uh... <laughs> Murphy's Mobile Meat Shack. Yeah, version one. <laughs> Murphy's Mobile Meat Meat Pickup. 
Sorry, I'm, I'm going quiet because I'm actually thinking about this way more than I should. Um, <laughs> you're, you're thinking about you're, uh, printing stuff off where you sh- that you shouldn't be printing off. No, right now I'm actually thinking about... Uh... Hello, Walks Unplugged listeners. It's Hellion here. I just wanted to pop in and let you know that as I was editing this episode, there were a few incidences where the bot that we used to record audio over Discord uh, messed up and Dux's audio became really unsalvageable. So rather than dump the entire episode, or really the last quarter, we decided we would just cut out about a four to five minute portion. Uh, So, you know, just understand that it's not you, this, there is an unusual jump right here, Uh, but we will now rejoin Ducks. Uh, And then they ran that two arrays, so there were four, six, eight, 16 speakers in that array. And for some reason, no matter what they did or what they EQ'd, it always sounded tinny for some mysterious reason. Because, and, and I'm looking, I'm like, you made a very large capacitor. So as a proof of concept, I got a box of wire and I ran two 14-gauge wires because they were only running 500 watts. So I got two 14-gauge wires and I ran those. And, the, and that's all I changed. They watched me hook it up on both sides. Those two speakers that I hooked up sounded fine. That was it. That was the only difference. Hmm. Um, so the wire that you use needs to be the correct wire for the task. There's so many times that, a, say, a guitar cable and a speaker cable with quarter-inch ends look the exact same. So people will get one, and they'll plug their keyboard in, and suddenly they hear local radio stations through their sound system. Well, you didn't use an instrument cable. You used a speaker cable. That happens all the time. Uh, we had a... Um, there was a church. I got paid why, to go... Why aren't all of those just grounded? Like, why aren't they shielded? Probably? Ah, you don't shield a speaker wire. Why? You don't have to. You're right. <laughs> Sorry. So, it's weird. Well, it's not. Uh, but you got to consider got to <laughs> consider context. So, with a uh, an instrument cable, you know, a coaxial cable, like you used to grow in the back of your TV, yeah. you get a, get a cable uh, to get your antenna or get your TV channels, right? There is a conductor in the middle, and there is a anymore, shield okay. wrapped around yeah. it. Yes. Okay, that is an instrument. That is a coaxial cable, and that's what instruments use: guitars, basses, keyboards guitars, electronic pianos, whatever. They all use a coaxial instrument cable. Now, there's two versions of that, but we're just going to go, just for the moment, just simple coaxial instrument cable. Yep. Then, if you unscrew the connector on, say, a speaker wire, you'll see there's just two conductors side by side, just laying there, doing their thing, chilling, delivering you voltage, nothing else, or nothing less. They're just side by side, they're wires, they do a job. That is speaker wire. If you run an a speaker wire, a speaker cable, instead of an instrument cable, what you actually have done is you have hooked an antenna up to your sound system. Ah. Uh, there was a church I got paid to go to one time, and they were getting a local Cajun radio station through the sound system on Sunday during the service. And Oops. the first thing I did was I walked over to the keyboard, I unplugged it, I unscrewed the barrel, I said, wrong cable. And they paid $85 mm-hmm. for me to go out there and... Listen to the, they turned it on. I listened to the radio. I walked over to the keyboard and went, choo, 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 wrong cable. And they're like, seriously? I'm like, yeah. So I replaced it with an instrument cable. They're like, well, how does that do that? I said, this is an antenna. Um, fun side note the length of the cable <laughs> determines uh, the frequencies it picks up. Yeah. <laughs> just, yep. I think, hilarious. Yep. That's, that is the antenna. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, I, I love that. Uh, that amuses me because. If they used a longer cable, they picked up a different cable station. station. <laughs> if, if the cable was long enough, they could pick up a Russian number station. Or uh, AMs are like 
meters long cable. Yep. There's a, like the AM stations are the antenna. So you don't touch an AM station. Right. Uh, and then here's the, here's the problem with you do it the other way around. So let's say that you take a coaxial cable and that is expecting at most 1.1 ish volts. And then you run a speaker cable through a speaker. You hook it up in place of a speaker cable on accident because you did not pay attention. But you're taking a cable made for about a volt and you're running 30 some odd volts through it. You have what the NEC recognizes as a fire hazard. So that is why it is important to use the correct cable for the job. Um, and as far as gauge, well, you need to look at your wattage draw. That tells you how much current you're pulling. You have to look at, are you running it through a hot environment? Are you running it through an attic? Well, then you need to go up one gauge because hot wire has more impedance. And you signal loss if you can help it. There's always going to be some tiny A portion of A percentage of signal loss. That's normal. But, you know, you don't want to, like, take a tiny wire and run it 200 feet through a hot attic and then go, hmm, why do I have to turn this amp really high to get that speaker to come up? That is, that, that is what I do for a living. I, I, I stare at numbers with spec sheets. I, I haven't even started. I, I know the exact phrase that I can do to make you yell up for at least 10 minutes. So I'm no, gonna... no, hit me with it. You'd be surprised. Okay. How do you properly put away wires? How do you fold wires correctly? Oh, that's a, that's a topic. <laughs> oh, um, I don't even look. You just put it around your hand, and then you put it around your so elbow, and you just there start. Are, there are three ways. <laughs> one is definitely wrong, and everybody will hit you. That's the one he just said. Your arm. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So everybody, everybody hit Mr. J. Beat him with um, a wire. It's only appropriate. Yeah, it's so fast. With a, <laughs> it's so fast. With a, beat him with a cat o nine tails. Get it? A cat, cat six or nine tails? Yeah, cat six or nine tails. There we go. We'll you it. did it better. Cool. Correct you, rather. So uh, the 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 other way is um, it's it's what called it. It's called over under. I hate that. Uh, I have never gotten why I would do that or or even how to do that. Um, I can tell you the why, my, but not the how. Tell me the why, then I'll tell you what I do. Okay. So when you do the over under correctly, you do one wrap over and the other wrap you twist it the other way yeah. goes under please can you give a better physical okay so let's say that me. you're right let's say that you're right-handed so in your left hand you hold the connector of the wire and then when you you take your hand you slide your right hand out down the wire and then when you pull it you grab pull it back up to the and you between your hands you turn the wire clockwise okay that way that's how you get a loop and you slide your hand back down the wire and then when you come back up, you turn it counterclockwise. And then you slide your hand back down, you know, about three feet, pull it back in clockwise, slide it down counterclockwise. The reason you do this is so that when you go to unwrap it, you lay it down, you grab the connector on top, and you just walk. And it unrolls, and there's no kinks. However, I hate doing that, and I just... I just wrap them all up clockwise. I just grab one hand. I don't even look anymore. Thumb and forefinger, as, slide my hand down. And as I close my hands, bring my hands back together, I flip it 180 degrees, slide, flip, slide, flip. And I can wrap up 20 foot mic cables in, I don't know, six, eight seconds. It's, it's, it's faster. Yeah, and also, so I, actually, I found out I'm right-handed. I hold the cable in my right hand and coil with the left. For reasons that are that are that are unknown to me, 
I just do it. I'm left-handed and I and I do it the opposite, just like uh, I do the opposite of what you do. So maybe I don't know what it's like being right-handed. I don't know. I mean, I, I always figured that my right arm is the stronger one if I need to hold a long cable that, that gets heavy. <laughs> you know, I want to use the arm that can actually hold the cable. But anyway, um, so I just, I, I, I roll my cables like they come off the spool, you know. So I just, I just loop, I loop, I loop, I loop, and they still don't have kinks. Right. I just make sure that because the cable, the say, cable will you tell you. To the line. Yeah, the, yes. the, cab, the cable yeah, will so tell you how it wants to be rolled up. Yeah. If it starts <laughs> talking know? about feet, you bring it in for service. <laughs> or, or you just made an antenna. Ta-da! <laughs> I can make a coil. Ah. <laughs> but uh, when I unroll them, I just drop one connector, and then I just physically unroll end over in the connector as I walk across the cable as I walk across the stage. That way there's no twists. Yes, yeah. Exactly. That's what I do too. And also what I what what I also like to do is um you know if I if I know I have to uh lay a cable in a in a straight line over the length of the cable, I just I just hold one connector in, in my left hand and then throw the rest with my right hand. And if I coiled it correctly, it'll just go but 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 no worries. And if it doesn't do that, I know that I didn't coil it. <laughs> so I have Velcro straps on all of my... I have two tool bags full of cables, and I had to buy them a few at a time and intensive. Um, thankfully, I know somebody that could do my solder work for me, i.e. me. And I do all of my repairs and maintenance. It saves a considerable sum of money. Uh, but cables are expensive. So, yeah, wrap them gently. Yeah, that's, that is actually one of the biggest complaints I have about my place of work and my colleagues. Um, there is no care taken with uh, the, the tech and the cables and the, the, the stuff that we work with daily. You know, just a tiny, a tiny um, change in how you put away stuff and how you take stuff and how you use stuff gets that stuff to live a lot longer. Yes. And it bugs the shit out of me. If, 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 Good catch. If, if, you're so, if you're so lazy to just not do that, it really bugs me. Oh, yes, yes. Sage advice, Maestro. Sage advice. Be kind to your cables. Uh, hey, guys, it's Hellion again. So it was right about this point that Dux's audio got corrupted beyond salvage again. So we pretty much just had to cut the last five minutes of the podcast off. Um, but we appreciate you sticking with us. We tried to salvage as much of this one as we could because we were so excited to have Dux on and we really thought we had a good time. So, uh, Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody. So say we all, I guess. <laughs>